welcome back to DM Tavern Talks, your guide on being omnipotent in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. As always, I'm your co-host, Adam, and with me today is Caleb. I'm Caleb. Well, Caleb, uh, sitting in front of us is something that normally isn't in front of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't know my 401k looked like that. <laughs> well, welcome to your 401k, and uh, it's it's presented to us on the, uh, on the table. This is very not... Ty was not very happy about it, but... Well, uh, I think we get to call this a uh, business expense in in taxes and, and all. Sure. So yeah. we'll get our money back. Don't you worry about it. This is a business expense. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've got to go sell plasma tomorrow now. So <laughs> um, for the viewers at home, uh, this weekend, I went on a shopping spree. Uh-huh. And <laughs> the shopping spree included uh, a new Roadcaster Pro 2 mixer, two pod mics, wireless mics, mm-hmm. and a shotgun mic for our iPhone for our TikTok page. And they're all made out of solid gold. The uh, price points are made I mean, out of solid gold. That's just gold. what I'm guessing. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. But I'm going to have to start whoring myself out to, like, the D&D community, like standing on the street corners. Hey, man, you want to play some D&D? 20 bucks to DM. <laughs> just um, to pay for this. But uh, we decided that it was time. We're on episode 7. I yes. believe, and uh, we got tired of our Blue Yeti microphone um, trying to omnidirectional recording back and forth rather than just us, because me and Caleb have two very distinct voices, I would say. Mine's more of a bass, whereas his more is I'm a... more of a, like a little boy <laughs> in a grown man's body. So something of, of that, and what ends up happening is when we're trying to mix the audio, we can't individually edit my audio and Caleb's audio to make him sound a little bit louder if I'm be being too loud. Right. So we just dropped more than my new first car on new equipment. Yeah, sorry, I, I my, the left side of my face went numb when I saw the receipts, and so I'm still struggling with that. It's all right. He's having a stroke, guys. But he uh, he devoted himself to recording for us. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm here for you, people. But anyways, Caleb. Uh, so that's what I did this weekend. What uh, What did you end up doing? Uh, my sleep has been absolutely messed up the past week. Yeah, like, I saw your post on Facebook. Three a.m. working with Annabelle dolls that you got. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> did you yeah, see my little comment that I made? I, I did. Yeah. Yes, it did not help me at three a.m. So uh, <laughs> let's start talking to him. <laughs> Kill some. Dad, darn it, I told you I'm working. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he has, to, uh, as you know, uh, Caleb is the owner of Trail Ends Antiques, and he goes around and uh, purchases lots of um, basically estate sales or yeah. anybody trying to get rid of stuff. Yeah, everything um, from antiques to anything strange or odd. I'm like, I'm like that little shopkeeper in D&D that there's, every town has one where they're like just an eclectic yeah, it's Weirdo. like an emporium yes. type of shop. Yeah. Oh, I should have went with emporium instead of Trails End. I, I like Trails End, though. Okay. Yeah, but you can call it anything you want down below. You could be Trails End Antiques doing business as Caleb's Emporium. Emporium of Magnificent m- m- Magic. I don't know. I'll have to work, work on that. Yeah, I have to work on that. Yeah, but so you uh, had Animal Dolls, and for the past week, me and Kaylee have ended up Basically, binge-watching Ghost Adventures. Uh, oh, not Firefly? Not Firefly, just Ghost uh-huh. Adventures. Okay. I apologize. Me and Kaylee got really hooked on that. And that used to be, like, my um, 
like go to sleep. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I just find it fascinating. Zach Baggins and and the crew and their hilarious antics that they put up with yeah. when they go into places at night, and we just find it hilarious at the end of it. Yeah. Well, now I know you. I know you hate reactors, YouTube reactors, yeah. uh-huh. but uh, Art of Kicks. I really like him. He's on YouTube, and what he'll do is um, people like Nukes Top Five and Sir Spooks and King Frostmere are all these YouTube accounts that yeah. will assemble these like top five scariest ghost videos. Yeah, and, he'll, and Art of Kicks will do like a live stream where he'll watch like an hour and a half of them mm-hmm. and just interact with people, and it's a lot of fun. I usually have that going on in the background. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that sounds something cool that I could go I- get into. Yeah. I just like the paranormal stuff. Oh, I do too. I think it'd be really cool to have Zach Baggins on our podcast as a college, just uh, to see if he likes Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe. I mean, I, I'm I'm hanging out for Joe Manganella, but I mean that's that's just me. <laughs> I was just, I was thinking more like for our uh, Halloween episode, yeah. you know, ghost hunting. Oh, okay. I've Where do you want to go ghost hunting at? I don't know. We live in North Georgia. There's dead people everywhere. Yeah, we can go into a cemetery. We, uh, we know a few. <laughs> yeah, I was actually talking to a guy the other day. And he's like, I see dead people. I'm like, dude, you work at the funeral home. Shut up. Do you want me to do it? No, a don't, 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 <laughs> don't touch the button. Just we'll cut. The, Ty will cut that out in post. <laughs> that's great. But anyway, so that's what I've been doing this week. That's what Kayla's been doing. Yep. Uh, not getting enough sleep, uh, nope. working on his antiques and stuff. Haunted. Um, have a this mirror. upcoming week. I have an antique um, mirror too. I'm thinking about putting really? like the Annabelle doll in front of the antique mirror and see if it moves. And just do like, well, just do like, you know, two paranormal things. See if they I think you just need it. to put like a, like a live stream on the doll itself and see if it moves. No, <laughs> no. There are things that I'm happier not knowing. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, my friend. Until <laughs> I just thought of it. Cause we, me and Kaylee, we end up making fun of uh, uh, the intro to Ghost Adventures now, yeah. and, and Zach's always like, "There are things in this world you just don't understand," and it and it and it goes. Um, it basically has like a monster voice after yeah. "understand," so it goes, "There's things in this world you don't understand." Understand. Um, are you really happy with yourself right I, now? I really, you yeah. really happy with <laughs> y'all should see him. He's like a kid on Christmas morning. So many light up buttons. It's great. RGB is great on here. But it, it's we and her make fun of it. So uh, folks, I uh, comment on everything Caleb has. Just as more uh, clicks and likes for his promotional stuff. So my first thing was a gift of there's things in this world you don't understand. <laughs> Which at 3 a.m. was really comforting. I appreciated. You're that. welcome. It, I think it was raining at the time, maybe a few rumbles of thunder, (laughs) just, you know, white boy in the basement by himself. (laughs) At 3 a.m., the witching hour. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, you got to watch some Ghost Adventures. I think that'd be great. I always liked Ghost Hunters. Yeah, they're more of an investigative standpoint. Zach's just running around. Oh, I have seen Zach in like that demon house. Oh, you did watch Demon House. He wound up buying it and like, yes, destroying it it because of the things that happened to everybody that visited Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, beautiful. So, what are we talking about D and D related tonight? Yeah, so we'll fly into D and D relation, and we are talking about diving into one shots and how to incorporate. Uh, memorable experiences as side stories within mm-hmm. your main campaign. Right. So, like l- last time, we've kind of been going through a, a whole campaign, just how we would handle things and how to address different uh, circumstances that might come up. Uh, this is something Adam likes to throw in. I've never done it before, but you're in the main storyline, and then suddenly, boom, 
kind of a flashback episode almost. Yeah. So, uh, very cool. E- either I use it as a flashback episode or um, I'll use it as a dream sequence for, for folks. So Ooh. before we get any further, I think uh, uh, Ty, roll those dices in order, don't you? Oh, yeah. Do I get to do the first one? Yeah, go right okay. ahead. Ty, roll those dice. Gucci. That was great. That was awesome. 10 out Thanks, of 10. Ty. Missed that, buddy. <laughs> um, so basically how that kind of works, um, and we want to kind of go under, give you, the listeners, an understanding of what a one-shot is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this could be anything related to the main storyline, but you finish it within a session. Yeah. So uh, I usually try to set aside one shots to be at least four hours, mm-hmm. and they have a beginning, middle, and end, mm-hmm. but it's it's more condensed, so they're not going to experience a lot of combat. They may experience maybe two types of combat, mm-hmm. and then maybe a puzzle, and then the oh. final, uh, the final will be the final combat battle, and that will have effects on the storyline later on. But that's how we try to incorporate. Uh, Basically, an idea of a one-shot is I kind of approach the guys and the play players, and you can approach your friends like this, and just don't have to say much. You can just basically say, I need X-level characters, um, and I need, uh, if you want to be very specific on races and classes, you can do that as well. Uh, but usually I leave it up to y'all on how this should be set up and I just say, hey, I need level 20 characters. And everyone's like, what? Level 20 characters? Awesome. So I, I always try to do level 20 just because a lot of campaigns and you will find fall through before level maybe seven or eight. Yeah. And Especially they can never starting. experience the full power of their character or a full-fledged basic demigod at that point. So that's the idea around it. I always try to do level 20 just so that way they get to experience and feel that. But when it comes to level 20 characters, you're also fighting level 20 like yeah, <laughs> monsters. Like gods. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Dawnfather shows up with a hammer and yeah. Yeah, and um, on top of that, uh, you can go into into a one shot, whether through a dream sequence, like I said before, before the segment begins. Yeah. So I have everybody fall asleep and in the dream sequence, they're all different characters and they could be, that could be past lives talking to them Mm -hmm. or it could be future lives talking to them. Yeah. I'm not going to have just a whole lot to add to this because this is kind of a new concept for me. Mm -hmm. Um, introducing the one shot as part of the overarching narrative of the storyline. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to sit back and listen to you. Um, that being said... I, ask, I, ask as many questions as you got to me. Uh, That's how we can do this. I've not slept in two days. Just talk while I take a nap. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I've got a few one-shots brewing. They're not mm-hmm. connected to a, a larger narrative. Yeah. But uh, the Call of Cthulhu, um, there's a few other little things that I'm looking at. I haven't even told you about yet. Yeah. I'm looking at it. Okay. But it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so there's benefits to incorporating one-shots you can explore side characters that Mm -hmm. the main characters of your storyline may meet one day Mm -hmm. down the line, or you may even have uh, new locations that in the map that y'all haven't even explored yet, um, which kind of provides unique challenging challenges because like right now in your campaign that we have going on, you are got, you guys are in Mordic going to Mm -hmm. Glane, Jewel of the East. Jewel of the East. And I may do a flashback 
you know, maybe 50 years ago mm-hmm. when Glane was just forming or when... Still Jewel of the East. Still Jewel of the East, yeah. but it's it's just a settlement and not a metropolis. Interesting thing about Glane, Jewel of the East, it's actually on the West Coast. Yeah. Jewel of the East. Jewel of the East. Because <laughs> that makes sense. I wonder sense. how it got its name. That could be a one-shot in and of itself. <gasps> <laughs> so one shots are there for you as the DM to introduce other parts of your storyline. Maybe this party uh, went out and fought dragons mm-hmm. and they defeated the last dragon. And mm-hmm. then you'd go a th- maybe 150 years into the future. And now magic is outlawed mm-hmm. because the dragon, the last dragon had been slain mm-hmm. and what comes about that is y- your party members had the, to kill well, the last dragon, and yeah. they feel like some sort of resentment. Why did I kill this dragon? Right. Well, and two, it adds helps add context, especially if you're like me and you like to really dig into the lore mm-hmm. and uh, really establish these complicated spider web strands, essentially. Yeah. And so that's, that's a really good, oh, so that's why it's called Jewel of the East, mm-hmm. because they had the map upside down, and it was to the west, and they thought it was to the east. Yeah. Could be that simple. I have a reason why it's called Jewel of the East, okay, okay. but <laughs> okay, I, I, I I'm not going to ruin it for y'all and you. our listeners. Um, but it, how this works out, um, I'll give you an example. So I had one at one point a campaign where I started them off before the campaign even started as a one shot. And they were this band of warriors in a warrior's guild. Mm. And the town, uh, the township uh, council told them to go out and slay uh, a dragon. Mm-hmm. That's why I brought it up in, in the past. You, they slayed the dragon, and that's where the one shot ended, after they slayed it. Then what ended up happening... Did they slay it, or was it slain? Are they slain it. No? Slain it the was, dragon. It, it was slain. It was slain. Or they slew it. They slew it? Yeah. Slew. They slew the dragon. Thank you for coming back to this episode of Grammar in d and <laughs> I'm terrible with it. Um... <laughs> But they slew the dragon, yep. and then I cut him off right then. I was like, campaign end. And they're like looking at me like, really? And I want to like, loot the body. Yeah. So I left it at that, and then I pushed, then the campaign started, and they were, you know, 10 years, 20 years down the line. Well, the warrior that had slain the uh, slain the dragon. He, he slewed it. He slewed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he became an emperor. Of a region, ah. and now he has an iron fist over the area because he can control it because there's no magic in this world, and ah. magic is outlawed, and he's the one that well, outlawed it. Yeah. So very cool. they were having to fight the emperor, and it was one of the characters that actually got played very cool. <laughs> by a playable character. So that's kind of how you can interact with one-shots. therapy there, battling your past self. Oh, yes. And then some another experience that we've had um, is we end up... Uh, I did a dream sequence with you guys, yes. and you had Alar who helped you fight a uh, a dream dragon. Dream dragon, yeah. Now Alar is an important demigod. He's like a level twenty artificer, mm-hmm. um, artificer rangers who I made him as. Okay, and you will find out later uh, in the storyline, Alar holds a significant piece of information that y'all need but you don't know where Alar is mm-hmm. and he only appears to you in dream sequences. Not a problem. I'll take a nap and talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hold on guys, I got this. But then when I had y'all wake up uh, you know, sand was everywhere. <laughs> yeah, sand that was worth nothing, I know because I tried to sell it. Yep. 
Worthless sand. But that's kind of how you can incorporate one-shots and understand to give you a good foundation of one-shots, and that will help you guys out in planning the one-shot and preparing on the DM side if you ever want to incorporate a one-shot into it. And feel free to steal my ideas that I explained to y'all. I think DMing is is something that everybody steals something from somebody. And it makes us a better DM in the in the long yeah, run. Yeah, always feel free to take anything that we talk about, except for Evil Smokey the Bear. That's mine. Yeah, that's trademark. Now I'm getting a, I'm getting a T-shirt made. <laughs> uh, but that'll lead us into the next segment of how dungeon masters can uh, prepare for the one shot before the players even get into the table. Okay. Uh, do you? Want I to do got the honors? I got you. Tie. Roll those dice. Okay, you're getting better. You're learning. Yeah. You're learning. Um, so. There's an important aspect of a one-shot because you want to make sure that you are able to plan how the one-shot can interact with the main storyline if you're doing it it interwoven story. Mm -hmm. So you always want to have a cause-and-effect relationship Mm -hmm. uh, within a one-shot. So this will help you out when you're playing an hour campaign when you're the DM. Mm -hmm. Cause and effect, uh, whether they killed the last dragon or the last dragon defeated them, uh, has uh, your campaign kind of splits the timeline almost. Mm. Or you can incorporate, if you die in the dream world, you die in real life. Yep. And that has effect on the storyline. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you want to be prepared for storylines to be splitting at the same time. And I, and I do see uh, you'd have to walk a really, really tight rope there because if you've, especially if you've explained a lot of the lore already to your players, mm-hmm. If they have that flashback 100 years ago, it has to kind of adhere to that. Yeah. Unless you want to add some wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff in there. Yeah. But... Uh, that can get confusing. Yeah. But you don't want to, you know, constrain the player such that, no, Grabthar the Gropy died on this day at this time. And, I mean, you you still want to give player agency even in the context of the one shot in the established world. You can even have uh, maybe... Uh, and I did toy with this idea and it couldn't work out for the lich as of right now but i was gonna have the lich if one of y'all touched it Mm -hmm. before it awoke uh have a flashback with the lich where y'all are uh an adventuring party that battled it before y'all man liches be crazy so (laughs) you want the applause no 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 no, it's fine fine. i hear it in my head (laughs) um so there's different aspects of how you can create the one shot in people's minds and in Mm -hmm. people's heads. Um, And there's also different ideas that you can throw around to create a memorable and a suitable storyline. Maybe you're creating a cultist group and Mm -hmm. maybe your players were the first five members of that cultist group, but they didn't realize it at the time. Well, and and not to get too deep here, but I mean, it's kind of interesting uh, to frame it. Everybody's the hero of their own story. Mm -hmm. Nobody's the villain. Yeah. So it's really interesting to feed your characters this one narrative and they kind of pursue it in the, you know, in the flashback and the one shot. Then in the present day, it's contextualized. They can see, well, they weren't told everything. We were the bad guys. Yeah, and that's I just mean, a shocking re- yeah. relevation uh, yeah. that they would have. I mean, I thought we were sacrificing all those orphans for good. I don't <laughs> understand. Uh, or I, and it just, just came to me. It's like you get to level 20, you're almost treated in my storylines like your heroes, mm-hmm. and you have a cult following. Mm-hmm. Well, leave that cult following 
just kind of like religion can do, mm-hmm. where you end up uh, closest to the source material, mm-hmm. and then you you do the flashback, and it's a thousand years ago, and then you're a thousand years to the present, and yeah. your words are taken differently than yeah. it was, you know, ten generations down the line. Right. Uh, you could do it that way too as a one shot, and I think that's a really interesting idea of like, yes, you were a paladin for good, but a thousand years have passed, and now you have a cult following you, mm-hmm. and they're trying to revive you. Uh, yeah, I accidentally started a cult a thousand years ago, and uh, I need I need some help getting rid of that. Yeah, and you as the DM have free range. That's my of, paladin voice, by the way. Oh, that's a great uh, paladin excuse, voice. Excuse me. Um, by the power of the Dawnfather. <laughs> but that's a good way to shock your playable characters Mm -hmm. because they may not realize that when the one shot happens, they are cause and effect relationship that they have on the world. But it also gives them an idea of you as the DM shaping the world around you. Because that one shot can have cause and effect on your on the world. Yeah. But at the same time, you as the DM get to say what that cause and effect yeah, is. Absolutely. This is the only thing in Dungeons & Dragons that you can control, can control yourself. Well, and, and too, it gives the players a real sense of control. Wow, we're immersed in this world, and we're getting to change the, the, the lore. You know, change, maybe not change the lore, but... Influence and direct the yeah, lore and you, how it goes. And I try to if you uh, if you gain like cred, street cred, or whatever around as y'all are a band of heroes or whatever. Maybe uh, some little kid recognizes you as the one that's you know slain the lich or mm-hmm. uh, or helped little Timmy out of the well one time, mm-hmm. and then you have a little kid like celebrating you, and that makes the world seem real, like your actions have affected them. Yeah. But then on the flip side of that, your level 20 playable character just started a cult without them realizing. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I always wanted to throw something in. You know, we, we discussed last session, like when they kill the bandits and they loot the bodies, they go through and be like, oh, have fun at work, daddy. You know, it makes them feel bad that the bad guys are really just people. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'd like for the, the paladin to... the whole to, table for that. Well, I'd, I'd like the whole the, like the paladin to meet the kid that he saved, but now he's like a super evil drug lord or something. So he's like, <laughs> yeah, I you kid. killed my father. <laughs> you saved me. I was going to go into the seminary, but then I realized life's short. So that's why I started killing people. <laughs> and the paladin's just like, no, that was the opposite of the point. <laughs> but I like killing people. It's in my blood. It's in my blood. <laughs> my daddy was killing people long before you came along and killed him. <laughs> well, oh, brother, where art thou? <laughs> my daddy done R-U-N-N-O-F-T. <laughs> we thought you was a toad. Except in D&D, they really could have been. <laughs> Polymorph. <laughs> We thought you was a toad. You know Ty's going to cut out all of this, Oh, right? no, it's great. T- <laughs> ten of ten. I could, I could watch Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou. It's oh, I love that. Wonderful uh, movie. If anyone has not seen that, that is one of the classic George Clooney's. That well, are. one of the things about Oh, Brother, Where Art the cast of characters that they bring in wow. from actors are just phenomenal. Well, and, and there's, this, there's this conception going around out there that that's what it's really like in the South. And I got to say... Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. accurate. I mean, yeah, I know people. <laughs> I like live on that. a gravel road. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> yeah. um, but back to D&D. Okay. Um, you want to incorporate that and plan out uh, your storyline, wherever it's going to go, um, and navigate it. So I always try to prepare for three possible outcomes. 
Okay. Either A, they go the route of what your main storyline has created and you don't need to change anything about the main storyline. B, they did something completely different than what you expected and now your main storyline no, has to change. They would never do that. I, I rely heavily on two. And then three, they just died entirely during this. I think this. you literally went one, B, three. Yep, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. Uh, but that one one A and one B can can come out of the same timeline, but then two or number three, as I would call it. Oh my gosh. We're not gonna do like a diagram of multiverses and yes. number diver- three diverging is, timelines. Is out here where the party does die and you just didn't expect it, and now you have to come up with a totally different plan for the story. So. so that explains why the last time I played and we did the flashback thing, my guy, Martrenor, uh, awoke, and there's this, like, wild-haired guy standing at his door going, Marty, we have to go back. Yep. Welcome so, to either Doctor Who or Back, back to, to the, the Future. Back to the fu- Marty? No, no, I was going to say Time's Wibbly Wobbly. You know? Oh, okay. And then uh, you have the Doctor. <laughs> yeah, yes. So yeah. Anyway. You, you can do it either of the way because time's not linear. It's a big time wibbly wobbly. <laughs> Uh, if we're going to have a Doctor Who discussion, that's an entirely separate podcast because I have opinions. Well, that is uh, Doctor Who Tavern Talks. Oh. DW Tavern Talks, not DM Tavern Talks. <laughs> Wouldn't we call that like TARDIS Talks? Yeah, we could. Yeah, there we go. It's all under the Tavern Talks Entertainment. <laughs> yeah, our mega corporation. That's right, with the thousands of dollars that we have to spend on equipment. <laughs> uh, the thousands of dollars that we spent on equipment. Well, it's a tax write-off. We're good. Yeah. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain taxes and how net income... Everything and, is a tax write-off if you purchase it for your business. Yeah, but you have to have a base net worth before you can... We're run. worth a lot. Just because your mom said you were worth a lot, uh, Adam... My th- mother told me she was proud of me and that I could do whatever I accomplished. Yeah, tell that to the IRS agent. I, I will. No. Actually, one of my friends is an IRS agent, funny enough. Uh, they can't have friends. They're. I mean, they're like... It's kind of kind of like the alignment chart in D and D. There are some that just some, don't they're just correlate. Evil. They're just evil. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't help it. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so the next segment. Okay. So we got planning and prepping, and yeah. then what's the next segment for us? Next segment, we're going to talk about crafting a memorable one shot encounter. Ty, roll those dice. So how do you craft a memorable one shot encounter? Well, and I how start... does it differ from? The, the, the narrative story. So line. you don't have any side quests within a one-shot. They have the one goal. I usually try to guide them and not... Um, it's not more left to the open uh, where they can decide on what to do. Uh, I kind of just... A cleric gives them a quest to go find an ancient artifact or the, this group of players are battling in a dungeon to find an artifact that your players on the main storyline are trying to find. And they meet up with the playable characters that they went ahead and played up with before the session. Cool. So I kind of try to incorporate it that way for for people. Mm -hmm. Um, So they end up um, staying on path and staying on uh, target. So you give them the quest, whether it be the... Uh, town mayor or the council or somebody of high importance sending them on this quest. Uh, That's the beginning. It it seems like one of the key elements that 
goes into creating an exciting encounter in a one-shot would be to make sure it's indelibly tied to the current campaign, mm-hmm. I would assume. At, at some point, yes. Yeah. you want. It may, they may not understand the um, effects of the current campaign, but it will all make sense at some point. Oh, okay. So, like, uh, with the example, I could probably, and I'm thinking about doing this for our campaign, is having a flashback mm-hmm. to y'all um, having characters that are trying to find the uh, phylactery for the lich mm-hmm. because y'all don't know where that is. It's probably fine. Before the lich reawakens. It's probably fine. Yeah. So I, I may end up doing that. For the record, we are in Liamid's tiny hut. So We didn't end there. We just ended it. Y'all were just still in no, there. No, I, I, I literally sat down and said I start ritual casting Liamid's oh, tiny hut. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Of course, I think a powerful enough counterspeller to spell magic would get yeah, rid of that. Well, you, you defeated the Lich for right now, okay. and I haven't rolled for the Lich when he's supposed to return, but okay. y'all need to figure out how to get out of Mordic, yeah, basically. but that was the first thing I did. Tiny hut. Yeah, but I, I'm thinking about doing it that way, so <laughs> you guys have a opportunity to know where the phylactery is located, okay. and this may be, uh, you know, a hundred years in the in the a past mm-hmm. where Mordic wasn't around and these adventurers are now long gone, but they're all buried together mm-hmm. um, in a tomb that knows no name. That knows no name or has no name? Knows no name. Yeah. Here, here's and that's I, I just, the puzzling of itself. I, I just I just had a thought. Um, you did leave us in a room full of books, and I I'm did? a voracious reader, mm-hmm. so we could throw in the one. I mean, you're the DM, do what you want to. But I thought we could th- do the one shot so we, the players, would know. Yeah. And then in character, my character finds, finds. oh, this book from this very handsome looking guy. Yep. Wrote. You see where I'm going with that. I see where you're going. So that's a, that's one of the ways you could craft a memorable experience with mm-hmm. it is tying it to the main line, but also not leaving it to be able to be open. You don't want yeah. open ended things. You want them to know, all right, my quest is yeah. X. And this is what we're supposed to accomplish. We're hunting an artifact. We're trying to find um, a cult leader. We're trying to dispel the magical forces at hand at the White Spire. Something of that nature. You want to have a direct line, and then you want to have exciting challenges along the way. Usually, my one-shots involve dungeons, and that's just how it works out. And it's just the the way you can trap a character and a party Mm -hmm. by them just not going wherever you trap them in the dungeon or a subterranean level mm-hmm. and they they can't go and just do whatever. Yeah, so. it's 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 that, you know, you're kind of railroading them. Classic Mario left to right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly like that. And then you add the puzzles along the way. Um, I at least try to incorporate two puzzles, mm-hmm. um, one magical puzzle mm-hmm. and one physical puzzle. I solved your puzzle in the last game. You did. Yeah. So, in character. Yes, you did. I was, I was very happy with that. Uh, but that's, that's kind of how that works yeah. um, with itself. And those puzzles make it interactive. You're not having a combatant. And then you eventually you can decide on whether having one or two combats or um, just the one final battle scene or, uh, or non-resolved issue. Your party members could be trapped in a cave, in a dungeon, in a subterranean level, and they just can't escape, and they die in there. Yeah. And that just would the shock current, the party. The current party finds, finds the bones. bones. Yeah. I mean, and that's, um, to me, that seems like a really great way to kind of touch on and keep your pulse on the pacing 
mm-hmm. because, you know, you said four-hour session. People have lives. Yep. And I'm, I'm usually very open to opening it up to two or three four-hour sessions. But if there's not enough meat for that and just want to stick with the one-shot, maybe you have two encounters planned, but one You're takes out of town. So, yeah. So just, uh, yeah, this, don't yeah. ignore this well, room. The, this this players, room has suffered a cave-in. Yeah. And that's easy to do enough. It could, and your pacing all determine, determines what their players are trying to do. And I, I believe in, in the one-shots that I've ran, the players themselves are not really focused on loot as much because they know that they won't pick these characters back up again. Right. So they, they're not really searching for the treasure. They're searching for that one goal and that one artifact or that one cult leader or that one dragon or the one, you know, the one true ring. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Um, little scrawny guy asks them riddles. And that could be a puzzle. Tells them about their birthday party. <laughs> I actually started listening. Andy Circus has narrated the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fairly recent. But yes. yeah, yeah, I, I got the I got the, the audio uh audible. Is it yeah, the audible? I got the two towers last night. Nice. So good. Yeah. So good. I, I like listening to uh, when um when the character's like that and Andy can do the voices oh, and stuff he's so with it. Good. Yeah. It, it makes it. I love how you call him Andy like you guys just had dinner together. Yeah, last yeah. night. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I call him A Rod. <laughs> um, but that kind of kind of leans into our next segment of how to keep the players engaged with the puzzles and the other um, artifacts that they're trying to find mm-hmm. on top of the combat style, 5e again. I hate 5e combat. That'll love, be for another. I love all parts of 5e. No, 5e combat sucks. Call me Chris Perkins. You don't even know who Chris Perkins nope, is. I don't. That was all. Oh, all right. Um, with that, that goes into our next segment. So, Ty, roll those dice. All right. Um, player engagement. That's always the toughest thing a DM ever faces, I, I believe, in, in anything. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's the thing you should be most concerned about. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're if you are either online, um, it's hard to tell how engaged the players are. Yeah. Um, they could be on the phones and and all, and that's okay. I mean, I try to limit the activity for the phones, but, but if you're in person doing a one shot, no phones out. Like we're we're you know fully invested hold, in. Hold this. on a second, I'm almost finished with this Fortnite. That's exactly this, this, this Fortnite. Is that right? This Fortnite. This Fortnite. Fort Fortnite. The game, like battle royale game. I'm old. Okay, I don't understand. Adams, we're we're setting up down here, and Adams like, do you have so and so, so and so? I'm like, dude, I got a computer. I'm pretty sure this is what this thing is. Yeah, that's good it. enough. Um, and so you want to discuss some strategies for getting the players invested. Um, so they create their characters. And you want to discuss with the players themselves a little bit of backstory. I wouldn't go into detail yeah, trying for to, a one shot. I mean, a little bit of detail about where they come from because then maybe you could incorporate a town named after them after the fact, mm-hmm. or uh, you can have a lineage line that is if you're doing a past one shot, yeah. you can e- end up doing like a lineage off to the side of like maybe their cousin of a cousin keeps yeah. running the lineage on and then the last name pops up and your character's like, oh, I know that name, but you really don't know that Grandpa name. Grandpa the Groper. Grandpa? <laughs> Grandpa. Uh, um, so that's one, something one thing, that you could do. One, one way I look at uh, the backstory and dealing with player characters uh, that differs 
between one-shots and campaigns. Campaigns, I really like to sit down with the players and be like, okay, you come from this. This is your story. How do you feel about that? What are mm-hmm. your goals? Whereas with a one-shot, it's more of like, okay, this is where you come from. You could with that. Okay, good. This is how you feel. You are driven. You are you are just insanely driven to do this. Nothing else matters. And just kind of help them mold the character a little bit more that fits in the storyline better. Yeah, um, and you as the DM need to discuss with your players uh, what the expectations are of that because you're wanting to make sure that, that you end up um, having a world that you've built in the past or in the future, whether you do dreams and they have visions of the future or they're in the past where they're trying to build the character itself, you want to make sure that they end up having a very big impact on the storyline. Each one of them in some dip in some different way has an impact. Maybe one of the heroes that, that was a part of that adventure now runs a tavern mm-hmm. and now they're the part of like the council within a town named after them. Mm-hmm. Or like I said, one of them was the emperor and now yep. they control everything. The, the, this is how big of a jerk I am. If the history rogue goes through and finds the traps in the dungeon mm-hmm. and the player character decides just to bypass them, those traps would still be active in the present. Oh, yeah. Just little things like that that are going to impact how the next, uh, well, I guess it's all canon, but the next uh, present-day adventure session goes. Goes through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, And the the reward. So it's hard to incorporate rewards in a one-shot because they don't feel like they've successfully gotten anything out of it uh, because their characters just don't exist anymore in the Mm -hmm. current campaign. But I try to give them each individual, like, magical weapons of some mm-hmm. sort or uh, armor that's magical, artifacts that are magical that are already on the characters themselves. Mm. So if they do end up dying, well, their bones and stuff are laid to rest and someone can find a magical weapon. Oh, very sad. Thousand of gold! Yeah. And, and that's something that they could uh, feel like impacted their current campaign is they find these magical weapons that are available to them to use. And they raided the tomb of this great warrior that mm. they had interacted with um, in the past. And that's something to keep them engaged. And the incentives, you know, enhance the player's motivation and engagement on that side of the world. Very cool. Um, I've seen it where engagement is just not something that people are, you know, during combat, people get discouraged. So I try to up the combat level because you're level 20 usually in my one shots. Mm -hmm. So I want you to feel like you're a god and I want to really, you know, flex your muscles that you have to really feel that you are in tuned with the world around you and you feel like a god fighting a demon, a dragon. I gotta say, level 14 wizard feels pretty good. Yeah, but think level 20 wizard. I know. With level 9 spells. Look, dude, you're talking to somebody that goes on D&D Beyond and like creates Creates a character. Yeah, like level 20. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Right there, come on. Come on, mess with me. So as a DM, I tried to write down... That's what my wizard sounds like. Yeah, I'm all learned and stuff. (laughs) Um, But as a DM, I try to write my campaigns out where you can... You have a good balance. So we have the main campaign where you're leveling up and you have uh, the one shot that comes along to really make you feel engaged and powerful. Mm-hmm. And it almost is like a like a restart, a refresh, a rejuvenation of some sort that really 
happens for the um, for the characters, and it keeps them really focused well, on the next fresh. campaign. Yeah, it's something new. Um, campaigns can get stale at some point, um, and you want something fresh, a new idea. Incorporate a one shot into it. I dig it. So I think that that sums up what you as a DM should be looking for if you're trying to incorporate a one shot. Well, I think it gives some good ideas. Yeah, throw through. I threw out a bunch of different ideas at you. I threw out a bunch of different ways you can incorporate it. Every campaign will be different if you're homebrewing or following a story um, that is already created. And there's plenty of one-shots out there that you can pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Caleb and I on our Patreon are going to start making one-shots um, mm-hmm. for our uh, Patreon subscribers where they carries them through a four-hour session. And the, those sessions have been played by me and Caleb. And they have a level guide on them. They have descriptions and different avenues, and they'll be set up. And you can incorporate that in your homebrew or current campaign. I need to do an info dump of the lore of Elagos. Yeah. My homebrew. Yes, that would be great. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm getting really in the weeds with it now. <laughs> well, I was thinking about just doing a, a series on how to create a homebrew, just mm. like a separate podcast that oh. don't follow this main line, which we're kind of doing a homebrew, but step-by-step guide, maybe just a short 10-episode series on how to create a homebrew. Very cool. And people can, and this would be probably like a 30-minute episode. I'm really going to be glad when summer's over and we can start uploading either the main storyline or the um, the, the, the one-shots. Yes, that I'm excited for fun. that as That's well. That's going to be fun. Uh, but that kind of gives you the listeners as, as the DMs themselves or as player characters to approach your DM you can end up doing one-shots and incorporating refreshing new ideas into the campaign to make it seem like they are um, more in tune with the world and their influence has effects on the world itself. Because a lot of times in the beginning, you don't feel like you have a lot of cause and effect in the world because you're doing menial side quests Mm -hmm. and you haven't really found what the main quest is going to be. Especially at lower levels, yeah. Yeah. You You just go fight goblins, you fight you know, maybe a few bandits here or there that are all along the road. But at the same time, you end up, you, I know I felt this way when I was a player character. It's like, you don't really feel like you're changing the world for the good, but your level 20 character certainly changes the world. And they could see that change. If you incorporate a one shot into the actual main campaign. I like it. That was a good topic. I'm glad you thought of it. Yeah. So uh, I think this is this week's episode is international. Questions? Ooh, more questions. Yes. Listen to questions, my yeah. favorite. So let's go into the question and answer segment. Ty, roll those dice. Okay, let me ask this first one. Um, this is for you, Adam. This okay. is from Pedro in Brazil. How can I create a satisfying resolution for a one-shot campaign without overshadowing the main story? Um, you wouldn't really overshadow it, Um it's more of a cause and effect type of uh, whether they're searching for a lost artifact and their next session, their characters are going to go find that artifact. So like the Lich's circumstance, I may make y'all do the in-person session, be a flashback with level 20 characters that had to fight the Lich that put him away in that crypt. Um, And at that same time, that's why Mordic was, shielded in magical energy and mm-hmm. now that magic's broken and they know where the Mordic's broken? is yes mordic is broken 
So it doesn't it won't necessarily overshadow the main storyline because right now the main storyline for us is going to to Glane Jewel of the East. Jewel of the East. Um, and they don't really know what the whole storyline is just yet, but that will give them the opportunity to advance the storyline. So use it as a stepping stone to mm. advance the main storyline if you're not wanting it to overshadow. Make sure it has a, an effect over their actions that they choose within that uh, one shot that you create, and you won't be uh, overshadowing the main line story. Very cool. Good answer. Thank you. Um, let's see here. I think we got one from Hiroshi in Japan. Uh, Caleb, do we have any advice for running a one-shot sessions with larger group of players? That's going to be difficult just because of, I mean, as much as I hate to agree with Adam on anything, um, 5e combat can take a little bit, can take a while. Yeah. So especially if you have larger character or larger groups and you're um, – constrained by the shorter time slot of the one shot. I mean, really the best thing I could uh, advise would either be lean heavily into the role play aspect mm -hmm. or kind of handle combat in a way that's going to expedite the process. So larger group can get through it. Um, how you want to do that. I mean, I've got some ideas, but that might be another episode another day. And um, we can go over that. But, yeah, just try to streamline it. Try to make sure everybody gets their, their moment in the sun and um, be open to expanding the one shot beyond a one shot. Yeah. I mean, if you find that at the end of th hour three and you've only gotten through three-fourths of the story, but really the last back half of the campaign is your bread and butter that you've created – um, don't be afraid to be like, guys, you were kind of running out of time uh, with what's allotted. Either A, we can continue and go over the allotted time, or B, we'll just need to touch back at another time. Yeah. Um, another idea that I had is maybe everybody, uh, you preface your, you need to pre-roll your actions in combat, but before it's your turn, so you can just give me the numbers and I can say if it hits or not, and if it does damage or not. Hmm. And then you as the DM can go ahead and roll uh, five different dice for the five different skills. If it's a magical deep dexterity saving throws or yeah. wisdom, you can go ahead and roll each one and have it written out that this round of combat um, ended up becoming, you know, wisdom saving throw was a 17, a strength saving throw was a 15, a dexterity was of 18 mm. and already have those listed out for that round of combat so when you go around the table you can just say okay well i cast um one of the ones that have has a dc uh saving throw on it and then you look at it and you go okay well that's a x number and it makes combat just a little bit faster there you go. all right got another question here from marcus in germany are there any specific resources or modules you recommend for one-shot campaigns? Well, I will always plug us in our one-shot campaigns. I mean, yeah. I mean, us. Only, you can only. go to our Patreon, and you can download one of our one-shots. Um, it's a part of the uh, first tier on that, and our one-shot will be available, and it kind of diverses uh, Lost Minds of Fendelver. Hmm. Um, it can give you a one-shot in in lost mine to give more backstory on how the mine was formed and what they oh, found in there. Oh, very cool. So uh, that is a introductory uh, DM uh, 
that a lot of DMs start with and learn from. And that Lost can give Minds you... Lost was how I started. So, yeah. exactly. So, it gives you an idea and it plugs in right into that Lost Mine. Um, after the mine gets introduced, your session ends and you can your next session can begin with how Fandelver was formed and what were the heroes doing at that point. Hmm. Wait a minute. Fandelver, Phylactery, Phallic, Mordic. Mordic is Fandelver. Wow. <gasps> Took you that long to figure out. Do, 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 <laughs> Twilight Zone. <laughs> um, but the other resources out there, there are um, on the subreddit DM, um, what is it? D- Tavern Talks. No. That, that's, that's our brand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Reddit, it is uh, called DM Behind the Screen. Oh. And you can type in one shot and people post some one shot ideas in there. Um, and then you can actually go out and purchase. Uh, one shots um, on dmcampaigns.com, uh, I believe. And I've actually heard of some, uh, I, I have not personally, actually, I did download one, uh, one page one shots. Yes. And they're mm-hmm. usually free or very affordable. Yep. So, just so those are some Google ideas, search. Marcus, yep. that you can look into. Um, I would just probably Google just a blanket search one shot for purchase. And I believe it's like the second tab that pops up that's like DM. Uh, DM campaigns, uh, dndcampaigns.com, something of that nature. Um, our there last question uh, comes from Elena. Elena, uh, Elena or Elena? Uh, it might be Elena. Uh, in Spain, how can I ensure that a one-shot session feels complete and satisfying in a single session? I mean, you make sure everybody has their moment in the sun. Mm-hmm. I mean... You don't uh, want to leave out anybody. No, no. I mean, you don't want somebody in the corner there that's just, you know has a round in combat and that's it. You want to make sure that they have an RP moment. They have a moment where they impact the trajectory of the one shot. And th- th- this is just a thought that I had. Make down little notes of things that stick out to you mm-hmm. as the DM uh, from each player. And then when it's time to start planning for the storyline session, incorporate those callback moments. Oh, yeah. And, and then so, you'll see the little uh, yeah. glow from the player character. Like, <laughs> he remembered. I did it. <laughs> I remembered. That was my bloody stool in the outhouse. <laughs> I don't know. So, just, something. Uh, I'm just incorporate little breadcrumbs in there to throw, to be a callback to the character that they played because they were level 20, and it gives them their moment in the sun. Um, in the main line, there may be sessions where player characters aren't in the sun. Yeah. But with a one shot, you want to make sure everybody has their moment yeah. and their true, you know, being. Maybe it's a it's a it takes a team effort to break down whatever monster that they're trying to defeat. Maybe with our powers combined, you know, Captain Planet's formed and it defeats the beast. Or they cross the streams like in Ghostbusters, you know, something moment shining moment, whether it be in combat, role play, or something else. This enchanted moment. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, th- that's the way to incorporate it. So uh, I think that's our international questions that we oh, got right. for this week. Yeah, And guys, then we go back so to United States questions next week. USA. Um, USA. <laughs> so uh, we try to split it up that way so everybody kind of gets recognized uh, from international to domestic. Uh, so keep those questions coming. Uh, you can find that at dmtaverntalks at gmail.com. Email us that. Um, let's just recap here and make sure everybody's got you know a one-shot idea at least, mm-hmm. or they can start a one-shot. Yeah. So we started out, you know, 
defining what a one shot was and how to incorporate it within our current campaigns or you're just getting into D&D and you need uh, to kind of, I would say, force your friends into loving D&D as well. So you introduce them to a one shot. Yeah, a good way to do that is um, doors with locks on them, uh, windows that don't open, uh, maybe some light bondage. How about a uh, tavern in the basement? Yeah, when your wife's not here. Exactly. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Um, and then we taught you how to plan and prepare uh, for a one-shot. And then uh, you want to craft memorable moments uh, within the one-shot already planned out and yeah. how to get the players really engaged, whether it be a, a challenge, a, a puzzle, or combat encounters that fit into the theme of that one-shot. And then you want to make sure your players are engaged, whether it be with incentives on their character themselves or while they're role-playing, giving them incentives within combat or trying to find that artifact itself. And then we had our question and answer segment. But that kind of recaps what a one-shot is and how to incorporate it into the main campaign of your D&D storyline. Um, again, good you ideas can... In there. You can find us next week, next Sunday. Uh, yes. We'll be uh, posting on, we'll be back on the main plot line. Yeah. Uh, and how to uh, accomplish the next side quest that they are going off on. And maybe they are, we can incorporate some road travel and how we do Ooh. road traveling to the next I city. I actually like road travel. Yeah. There's a lot of different aspects of road travel that you can incorporate. Encounters with the wild so table. So many ways to screw with your players. Yes, very much so. So we'll discuss that and we'll discuss getting into the first city uh, next week. And then um, at the same time, we'll be able to uh, incorporate what our next city looks like on the campaign trail. Fantastic. And then um, you can always find us on our social media, uh, Patreon, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Gmail. It's all at DM Tavern Talks. Um, and then our email is dmtaverntalks at gmail.com. The website is up and running. Uh, so you can find us at dmtaverntalks.com. That's amazing. So uh, that is where our SEO, everything is going to go to and our links to everything there and photos of the podcast setup uh, and TikToks should be coming soon with map creations and mini paintings, um, all that other stuff that we enjoy outside of just being the DM. Um, and we have a lot of ideas for that. So much fun. All right. I think that takes care of that, Caleb. All right, guys. Appreciate you sitting with us again. Uh, we'll see you next week. Don't forget, what happens in the tavern stays, stays in, in the, the tavern. tavern. <laughs> Y'all be safe. She carves at a barkeep by name.